Would you like to say something to the class before we begin? Hi, everybody. How did you burn? I mean, you know how it is. How did you burn? Fucking rolling whatnot. I'm gonna steal a declaration of independence. I wouldn't make you out to be a burglar, not that outfit. Put the bunny back in the box. Alright, now loosen up. I'll be damned if I didn't get really turned on. Welcome back to subsequent movie podcast Kajolta Club, the audio blog slash experience where we are watching the filmographies of John Travolta and Nick Cage. And this week, Ryan, we're back with John Travolta and my god look who's talking from 1989 i believe um not the worst thing that we've watched i wouldn't say but uh certainly one of the most upsetting things i think we've watched i don't know what a good movie is anymore i have no. i have forgotten the taste of a good film I, I I do not know them, have not seen them. Uh, so it's been a full month since the last time we watched a good movie on this podcast with Travolta's Blowout. Since then, we have seen Honeymoon in Vegas, Staying Alive, Deadfall, and now Look Who's Talking. Four films, none of which I enjoyed. <laughs> and tonight's offering may have been the most deranged of all of them because even Nicolas Cage's off-the-rails performance in Deadfall does not even hold a candle to some of the, shall we say, challenging imagery of Look Who's Talking. (laughs) Some of the very distressing, disturbing, and disquieting creative decisions enforced in the making of this very profitable film i i don't know why this movie was successful i really don't i guess before the internet you just went to the theater and you saw whatever was there i guess i mean i this is i think of everything we've ever watched and i include borat and bruno and like all that in this I don't think I've ever been as immediately upset by a movie as I was with Look Who's Talking. Like, the absolute worst opening credit sequence ever Unforgivable. Everybody who looked at that opening credit sequence, signed off on it, said it was okay, put it to print, should be in jail. Uh, Abolish jail except for the people who made the sperm fertilizing egg sequence, which opens Look Who's Talking. And closes Look Who's Talking. Yeah, (laughs) they they were were so proud of it. I. So, the beginning of this movie starts out with like kind of a. Do you want to? Do you want to? I'm so scattered on this movie because I hated so much of it. So much of this movie. pissed me off bored me drove me crazy or just repulsed me that i just feel sick of it we haven't even talked about it and i feel sick of it i fucking hated this movie nile i hated this movie (laughs) i i i mean i wouldn't go so far as to say i absolutely hated it on the level you did but it's i didn't enjoy it um i was bored i was distressed (laughs) 
I was led astray. I thought this whole movie was going to be about a baby who talks, and all yeah. it is, all this film is, is a subpar rom-com with Bruce Willis narrating over the kid in certain shots. That's it. Without yeah. that narration, this movie is nothing. This movie is nothing. It, it's, it's nothing. It's really nothing. It's really nothing without it. But um, let, let me let me whip out a three sentence summary here real quick, and then we can kind of uh, dig deeper in. So for people Fine. who don't know, look who's talking. Um, Kirsty Alley, Scientology's Kirsty Alley, is a high-powered single woman who is an accountant in New York City and she falls for George Siegel who is one of her clients and he winds up getting her pregnant. Um, she's out on the town nine months into her pregnancy with one of her friends and who, who do they see but George Siegel having sex in the changing room of a clothing store, which causes her to go into labor in the middle of the street where she is rescued by taxi driver Scientology's John Travolta, who then uses <sighs> her pregnancy to get his grandfather to, po to pose <laughs> as her husband so that... His grandfather, played by Abe Vigida, of all people, can get put into a nursing home. And then they slowly just have this uh, will-they-won't-they they romance while Bruce Willis, as the baby, improvs some internal monologue for an hour and a half. <laughs> um... thinking what were what they, were thinking? they thinking what were they thinking this movie I, is so i i'm at a loss for words i know that i hated this more than you did i really disliked this movie but just just from start to finish there is so much of this that is like quietly misguided or could only be enjoyed by somebody who just no offense has like very simple taste in films, right? Like, this is a movie sure. for somebody who doesn't ask for much, I think. And that's not a bad thing, but, like, this is the movie you go to see because it has John Travolta and Christy Alley, and you recognize names, and Bruce Willis is talking as the baby's internal monologue. It's Saturday night, you've got nothing else to do, you're gonna go see Look Who's Talking in theaters, right? I, it's a lot like Honeymoon in Vegas to me sure. in that way, except this movie has a lot more people in it, I guess. Like, there were a lot of, like, character actors and random who's who of the 80s and 90s in this that I really did not expect. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> Some of them much more distressing to me than others, I will say. Yeah, I think when the smoking man showed up, God. you just about lost, uh, I, lost your mind. Like, like, okay, so first off, we have Olympia Dukakis in this, right? Who we have seen yeah. on this show in Moonstruck, right? She right. plays Christy Allen's mom. Like, fine, whatever, normal role. Uh, then Christy Ellie starts going to the uh, the doctor, like the... Um, what is it? The the, OB the gynecologist? Yeah, the gynecologist, yeah. Uh, the OBGYN. And it's fucking Don S. Davis, who real ones will know, Major Garland Briggs in Twin Peaks is in this movie. Uh, kind of another notch on our watch for Twin Peaks actors and actresses on this show. But yeah. then 
She finally goes into delivery. She goes into labor. And who is her doctor? We know him. We love him. William B. Davis, the smoking man from the X-Files, a.k.a. <laughs> the farm owner from Crystal Shadow. Oh seeing him, God. Seeing him in this movie made me feel like somebody had punched me in the stomach. I could yeah. not believe he was in this. Like, oh, just so, so distressing to me. It is. And then the mother of them all, the, or really the grandfather of them all, I should say, Abe Vigada. Yeah, as, just really demeaning As grandpa. Just, just, like, this movie is so far beneath poor Abe Vigada, who is, like, he's one of the greatest actors, like, ever, and he's playing this like senile old man who is just like shitting himself and getting angry Ugh. for the entire movie and it's it it's, it's it's sad it makes me sad it's not good i hate to see it if there's one thing i can see about this movie it's that you hate to see it and yes. the thing i most hate to see is that sperm sequence and it's not just that it's not like it's not tasteful right like there's no taste no, to it no, whatsoever it like it's it's not like the miracle of life it's not like um it's not like stanley kubrick putting like like classical music over the sperm racing to the egg cell it is like this horrible like saran wrap cavern lit up by gamer rgb lights with this horrible floating egg these plastic sperms that look like something out of a racer head and like as they race towards this egg they're all shouting and cheering and bruce willis is like commentating as one of these sperm cells it made me feel weak like 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 the movie opens with with a fake out right you see you see what looks like the egg cell but then it turns out it's inside of a lava lamp right right you cut you, you cut to christiali and her lover and then there's a cut to I guess her getting impregnated or whatever. There's there's no good way to talk about this. And then you just get fucking Bruno out here honking on the commentary and just going blow by blow as the sperm cell as he like races towards this egg and lets out this horrible orgasmic moan as he like it's gets sucked so into it. It's so it's, bad. It's disgusting. It's like it's it's genuinely one of the most sickening ways that you could open a movie like it it is it's like you said like even in comparison to like bruno and borat it's probably the worst thing we've seen on this podcast so far like it is just so grotesque and they're 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 obviously proud of it right because they end the movie by showing it a second time yeah and um it, it it's it's it it makes me weak in the knees. Like when 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 we watched the fake out part where the egg turns into the lava lamp, I was already like shaking. Like you could hear me just like yeah. in distress. And then as soon as it cut to the bit where there are the sperm cells, I thought I was gonna have to like get up and walk away from my computer. I <laughs> fuck this, man. It, fuck it's, this. It's unbelievable, fucking cinema. Like I. <laughs> I have I, never, in the time we've been doing this, been so immediately just disquieted and just, like, upset, I don't think. Which, again, is really saying something, because Bruno, like, 
opens up with the worst opening that we'd ever seen until this. I don't even remember it. I don't even remember Bruno. Like, like it's, it's, it's just like a bunch of shots of like dicks and stuff. And then words come up and some of them are racist or whatever. And sure. It, it's bad, but like, and, and like you said, the fact that they end the movie with it, because at the end of the movie, they like John Travolta and Kirstie Alley get together and, they have a, a a daughter who is voiced by Joan Rivers, Ugh. which is just like I I do not want to watch Look Who's Talking to if I have to listen to Bruno and Joan Rivers talk. To I've got to I got to see I got to see if that's her in that. I don't know. Oh uh, my god! No, even worse. Uh, who is it? It's uh, Roseanne Barr. Oh my god. Gilbert Gottfried also makes an appearance, oh, as well God. as Mel Brooks as, quote, Mr. Toilet Man. I don't want to watch that movie, Ryan. But, um, you know, after, Ryan, I don't know if you've if you've ever had a biology class, a sex ed class when you were a kid, a teenager in school. Mm-hmm. But after the, um, the egg is fertilized, what happens then, Ryan, is a baby grows from that. And, yes. Uh, we, we get to see uh, little Bruce Willis as a fetus before he's born. And the nightmares don't stop coming, right? Like, it's... If, the- you, if you want to see the most grotesque-looking baby like shaved gremlin <laughs> puppet talk about performing auto fellatio on itself i mean uh, <laughs> the, the, hell. like the problem with this movie is that the beginning of it is so totally deranged right like just unforgivable right. but then as soon as we're out of that it's just pretty boring it's just so fucking boring for the rest of it for me but that the 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 bits of Bruce Willis just as this baby like in the womb floating about in the fluid cracking wise getting high off like delivery drugs and shit like that it it who is this movie made for <laughs> who is this movie for I don't know. Like, I don't know how my parents let me watch this movie when I was like six years old. Like, right? Because we thought this was like a family film, and it's not. Yeah, it's it's like no. a weird, it's like a weird adult talking baby comedy about cucking your boss at work and unplanned pregnancies and lying about artificial insemination and falling in love with a taxi driver. I I I just. Like, I am, I know, you know me, right? You know me. Mm-hmm. You I do. know, you know my taste. You know the person I am. If I was an adult, as I am now, if I was 25 years old and I went to go see this in the theaters, I would hate this. Like, truly, truly hate this. And even if I had a kid, I think I would hate this movie, right? Like, there is no realm in which. This movie is not meant for just, like, suburban parents or parents in general who are very... I I don't know. It's just got that big, like, heteronormativity about it, right? Like, that very American dream, you know, white family, two kids kind of demographic about it. Uh, And I, I just, like... I'm just at a loss, right? I'm just at a loss because there's there's... 
all this shit happening all the time. I'm thinking about the baby, about the animatronic baby. I'm thinking about Bruce Willis as the baby. I'm thinking about him coming out as the baby. I'm thinking about, like, the actual live footage birth of them cutting an umbilical cord as Bruce Willis riffs over it. <laughs> it is it is insane. It's unforgivable. Yeah, and I think you describing it as Bruce Willis riffing over it is probably the most accurate way that you could, like, describe his performance in this, because it really does feel like they just put a camera in front of these babies because the baby ages throughout the movie from, like, newborn to, like, one, two years old or whatever. And it really does just feel like, okay, we've put this camera in front of these babies... We got a bunch of footage, and now Bruce Willis is just gonna rap. Honestly, over him, like honestly, like I really do think that they filmed this entire movie, cut it all together, did everything they had to do, and just sat in front of Bruce Willis and was like, "Okay, here's the scenes, here's what's happening. Come up with some like wisecracks for this, right?" Because you could take out you could take out the baby talking, and you would lose nothing from this movie, right? Right. Yeah. Like. This, this could very easily have just been, like, a standard romantic comedy where the woman happens to be a single mom, and then at some point they went, oh, we're kind of short here, this is, like, 65 minutes long, we need a bunch of baby footage, or we need Bruce Willis involved, or something. Like, totally, it's just, yeah. It, it's, it's so slapdash, and, like, it, like, if you're going to do it in this way like the fact that you even got bruce willis is kind of wild to me right like it almost feels like it's such a lazy movie that they might as well have just gotten like johnny sandwich or whatever the guy's name was or whatever you know like Mm -hmm. just i don't know like could you imagine like you're 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 25 years old ryan you're the year is 1989 1990 whenever this came out you're walking around in the movie theater trying to decide, to decide what you're going to see tonight. And you see the poster for Look Who's Talking. You see Bruce Willis's name on it. And you say, I mm-hmm. love John Travolta. I love Bruce Willis. I love Kirstie Alley. I'm going to go see this. And then this is what you get from Bruce Willis. It's just him riffing and scatting over God. some fucking footage of a baby. <laughs> like, oh, like, I really thought, like, if you name a, if you name a movie, Look Who's Talking... And the thing is voiced yeah. by Bruce Willis. I expected the baby to like come out the womb, like, "Hey, what's up? I'm exactly. I'm the baby," you know. And maybe that's my own problem, but I just don't get why having a bog standard to like substandard rom com with a baby just commentating over the scenes is of interest to anybody. It, it's really like. This is just how people did things before the internet, I guess. Like, I like guess. it is just so. It's just so quaint and weird. And not only that, but this um, some some trivia about Travolta with this movie is that we are firmly into has been Travolta era at this oh, yeah. point. Oh yeah. Um, so this was his first major acting role in four years, um, uh, and then he eventually like like he didn't do a whole lot but like between staying alive in 1983 and this in 1989 he was in like three movies at least three movies that are on letterboxd and then between look who's talking and pulp fiction he's maybe in like three or four more and that's a span of about you know uh five years so 
staying alive was kind of our last bastion of, I think you said twink Travolta, like kind of the boyish good looks, you know, hot blooded, like attractive Travolta. And this movie, it's almost jarring to see him in this because at this point he is truly just schlub Travolta, right? Like it's like the moon has come out and he has under the light of the lunar full moon kind of metamorphs meta metamorphsed that's that can't be right metamorphosized he's transformed he is trans he is transformed from the twonk of staying alive into like the schlub of look who's talking and i think his acting skills have uh, kind of gone along with him there is like nothing here i i feel like he's just playing himself in this movie yeah like it's it it really does have the energy of I used to be a big star and now I'm in this fucking movie that is being made for seven million dollars or whatever. Because um, this this was a fairly cheap movie to make, but it did super well. I guess this maybe was like maybe kind of the start of his resurgence. I guess Pulp Fiction really was, but yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's not really bringing much to this. He's just kind of a guy right like he's totally yeah he's 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 got a little bit of a gut you know he's kind of you know he's he's visibly older he's visibly like not in the like pro wrestler shape he was in and staying alive like Mm -hmm. he's he's no longer like you said like he's no longer the boy toy travolta and now he is firmly like Mm -hmm. 35 year old i'm about to embark on an action career travolta or whatever totally Um, yeah yeah it's he's just kind of charmless i think in this movie honestly do you want me to list off the like absolutely thankless films that he was in between this and pulp fiction sure look who's talking to eyes of an angel chains of gold shout uh, a live-action Rocky and Bullwinkle thing called Boris and Natasha, in which he appears as himself, and then Look Who's Talking Now, and then Pulp Fiction. So I, I would not call this the beginning of his resurgence. <laughs> no, apparently not. Apparently not. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess Look Who's Talking, if it got so many sequels, like it, I guess that's kind of a resurgence, right? Like, that's kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah, like a commercial like a resurgence, franchise. but maybe not like an artistic resurgence, right? Like well, a yeah. I mean, I did he even have an artistic resurgence? I mean, I mean, Pulp Fiction. Pulp I Fiction's would, good. I would say, yeah, but like that's is. that's that's about it. Um, yeah, uh, look who's talking now. The third one was a box office bomb. It was made for twenty two million, and it made ten million at the box office. So that's that's the dog one, right? The, yeah, that's the third one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you know, I mean, rough times uh, I, for Travolta. Rough times for John Travolta. Really rough times for John Travolta. And I feel like those rough times really translated to us watching this because fucking hell, this movie is. Oh my god! I want to really talk about. Because we're still kind of talking a little bit about the baby stuff and Bruno here. Sure. Um, and we mentioned his, like, uh, like his obviously just riffing on stuff. The parts where there's other babies around and it is also clearly just these people 
riffing with Bruce Willis, like after he's born and there's like all the babies in the cots and one of them is just doing a real racist bit or oh like where god i forgot about that where they're like th- there's the scene where they emulate the beginning of saturday night fever with the baby by rolling it in the stroller down the streets of new york as the song staying alive plays and as he's being rolled down and he's kind of just you know, going for it. More babies are being, you know, taken past him in their strollers. And he's having these improvised, like, back and forths with the other babies. And I think, I think more than anything in the entire movie, that scene is just excruciating. It's pretty bad. I I lost my shit when they started doing the Saturday Night Fever thing with the BGs. I I thought I was gonna die. There are there are a lot of bad music cues in this, right? Like yeah, the whole impregnation scene is set to it's Beach BG, Boys. Uh, Beach right? Boys. Yeah. Beach Boys. Yeah. There's the um. There's the uh, BGs. There's the always really hack choice to put Walking on Sunshine. Behind, yeah. like, a guy having fun with his kids. Just real, like, bottom-of-the-barrel stuff all around. But, yeah, all the other scenes with the babies are horrible. Uh, like, like when it's just Mikey, the kid, it's all right, you know. But especially that scene where, like, the kid's being delivered and you've got a guy basically doing Apu from The Simpsons on this yeah. baby. It's so bad. Th- this movie, this movie, a little more problematic than I anticipated. We get a we get it an arsler in this coming out of Bruce Willis. Get a lot of like fat shaming at the beginning. Get a, get some racism, you know, all sorts of crap. Just uh, just just really dire straits for the late eighties. If this was, I mean, I don't know if this was like a huge hit, but it was a hit, right? I mean, three hundred million at the box. Okay, office yeah, that's a made. lot. That's a yeah, that's quite a bit. Yeah, in 1989, that's quite a lot. Um, God, the, the portrayal or the debasement of, um, of Abe Veda, I mean... Unfortunate. Unfortunate is putting it kindly. I think, like, even if it wasn't him, this character is just... It's... It's demeaning to him as an actor, but it's also just like insulting in a lot of ways to like mm-hmm. anybody who's ever had to deal with a family member who has dementia or anything like that. Like I have had grandparents who have had dementia and like mm-hmm. the way they portray it as just like, Oh, he won't eat his potatoes until John Travolta eats him first. And if you give him a bar of chocolate, he's going to start racially abusing the fucking orderlies at the nursing home or whatever. And it's just like, and I, like, so Abe Vigoda at one point has Mikey because Kirstie Alley is, has to come to the nursing home, right? To like sort things out because he's, being restless and unsettling people and attacking orderlies and she leaves mikey with him and somehow mikey gets free and we get just like this sequence where really at the end of the movie it kind of turns into baby's day out if you've ever seen that movie i have um, not no. it's it's a, it's a movie where 
is it Hank Azaria? Or somebody from The Simpsons is chasing around a baby who is having his day out in New York and causing all kinds of chaos, which is basically what happens at the end of this movie. Um, the baby causes a massive fucking car pile up in the middle of New York City. I don't even fucking know. I, 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 this movie's hard to talk about, right? Because it's like nothing happens, but it's also just this absolutely deranged cinema like in every way possible like totally it's just, yeah i like i don't like i i feel like i start talking about one thing and then like it brings up something else because it's it's just a movie that feels like nobody thought about anything they were doing other than oh yeah that would be funny right like it's yeah just, it, it really does feel like they just got all these people together and like okay you know seven million bucks to throw around uh, talking baby Bruce Willis slap it together people people are gonna love it you know and I guess they did but it, it doesn't have any sort of I guess deeper care or attention put into it aside from just like assembling it and putting it on the screen you know and you know I don't expect every movie to have a like deft artist touch to it right you know sure. it, it doesn't not everything has to be like uh you know, a tour, but it, 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 it's just, it's just thoughtless. A lot of the time I agree with you, nothing really happens, but the stuff that does happen is treated normally, but is really just bizarre. Like Travolta's basically stalking her character for most of this, which is yeah. not really out of, uh, out of the ordinary for the kinds of characters he plays, <laughs> but no, but like when he shows up to her, like apartment building, and he's just like fucking around in her mailbox and she's just like what are you doing like it's it's supposed to come off as him being like charming right but he's committing mail fraud by sending <laughs> her mail addressed to him and stealing it from like the mailbox and he's just hanging around downstairs in the lobby of her apartment like he's doing things in this movie that he should be like in prison for sure <laughs> like, it's... yeah this is simultaneously <sighs> one of the most normal and least normal movies i've seen like ever like very very heteronormative right like very assumptive of of you know people and in, in like straight relationships and that kind of thing but at the same time it's like showing these sperm puppets and people are i don't i don't know i i hate this movie i really do <laughs> i i would not watch this again like like i know this is kind of jumping ahead here i don't know if i would say this is worse than borat but i would rather watch borat than watch this again just right off the bat i um i did not enjoy this no, I mean, I was surprised by how much I think it sounded like you were really struggling to get through it. I like, was. Honestly, This you said this went by pretty fast for you. This felt, like, interminable to me. Like, I thought this movie was never going to end. <laughs> I yeah, really did. like... We hadn't, like, even made it ten minutes into the movie, and you were like, I feel like I'm, like, an hour in. And yeah. I, I, I didn't want to be like, I can't tell them that we're ten minutes into this fucking movie. Yeah. Because, like, 
yeah, like I I genuinely thought like this isn't great, this isn't a lot of fun, but there's it's it's odd enough like sure. especially in, it's in very it's going, it is very bizarre yeah like yeah like all the stuff up until Bruce Willis is born is <laughs> is weird and bizarre and surreal enough that like kind of put the movie on like at least a tolerable pace for me Mm -hmm. um and i think i was so (laughs) taken aback by the sheer like balls of these people (laughs) to open this movie with sperm impregnating an egg and with the whole fetus thing and him like talking about sucking his own dick like, that I think I was just like, wow, this movie is going for it, huh? Like this is it's missing on everything, but it's at least going for it. Yeah, that's until until he's born, and then they just kind yeah. of stop going for it, and then it's just like, oh, this woman just wants to be the heterosexual couple, the traditional two point three kids in the white picket fence, and yeah. can John Travolta be that man for her? Like that's. Ugh. I think for me, the main thing is just like, once you put an unexpected smoking man appearance in your movie, that's the peak for me. Like nothing else is going to top that. And so I think I saw him lost my shit and just immediately sort of checked out. And then um, once I realized that Bruce Willis was not going to talk as the baby and there would be no madcap hijinks, I checked out even further because that was the only thing still keeping me interested in the film, to be honest. Um, yeah. And you know that maybe that's on me. Maybe I should do research on the movies we watch before we watch them. But um, I, uh, I I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm maybe I won't hate it as much after I think on it a little bit more. I I just felt bored for most of it, you know. And yeah, I I lack for a lot of conversation topics about it because there's really nothing about it that that spoke to me at all, like good or bad. After a certain point. Right, and I—I I mean, I think you're right to feel a little cheated by it because I think even if you kind of take like a cursory look online, like you skim over like you know descriptions of it, you hear the name, look who's talking, you see the poster yeah. of the baby. When you say look like, who's talking, I'm expecting someone to say like, oh, look who's talking, like oh, he's talking right. because the baby is fucking talking, like oh, look who's talking. Like, you wouldn't expect a baby to talk, right? And the baby does talk, and you don't expect it, but he doesn't talk, he just thinks. It's like a Garfield strip, right? It, like, it, exactly. like this is the movie yeah. This is the movie equivalent of, like, a, a Sunday morning newspaper comic where the babies have thought bubbles. Like, that's all this is. Yeah, that's, that's all it is. And, yeah, like, if the baby had talked, it's a better movie, right? Like, we've talked before about... You put a monkey in a movie and it's a better movie. Fuck this movie would have been so much better with the monkey. Oh my god. This movie would have been so much better with a monkey, but it would also have been so much better with Travolta and an, and a baby voiced by Bruce Willis like talking about politics or whatever. Like, you know, like the, uh. like Travolta's just talking about Rudy Giuliani or something to this baby and the baby's giving him some opinions back like you know give me that like give me fucking anything to hold on to with this movie instead of the like wildest most bizarre like 
opening ten minutes and then see that's nothing. all we can talk about. That's all we can talk about because it is it is so singular, right? Like there is nothing else in this movie that is nearly as interesting as as the three D lovingly crafted puppet sperm sequence. Right. Like there's nothing at all happens after the baby is born. It's just the most rote like by the numbers rom-com you could ever have there isn't even really like when you think about a rom-com you usually have you know oh there's two guys fighting over this one girl or whatever right but sure, she yeah. goes she goes on a date with one other guy which is all of three minutes long we never see him again um george siegel who is like the father um is barely in the movie he shows up at her apartment at one point and they have the worst fight ever him and travolta um where it's just it it really is kind of just like if you got into a scuffle like in a bar or something where somebody's trying to grab you in a headlock and you're both just like struggling and then eventually you just separate and walk away from each other like yeah totally it has that energy to it but after that he's gone again until like near the end when she takes the baby to his office and he's like, oh, I don't want to move in with you or whatever. I'm in therapy or whatever. Because, of course, this movie, you know, has to take the 1989 view on therapy or whatever. Um, and then she storms out and that's the last you see of him. So there's no sense that you would normally have in a, rom- in a romantic comedy of like, Who's she gonna get with? You know, like yeah, it's it, again like like some of the other movies we've watched. It's fairly obvious, right? It is like it, 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 from the beginning, this dude is a big fucking asshole. So you you get the sense it's gonna be Travolta from the get go. Yeah, I mean, you know that, but like you at least would still want conflict yeah, in the movie, yeah, right? totally, like, totally. Like you want it to feel earned, right? And right. I don't think there's ever a single real moment of conflict in this whole thing. No one ever encounters any problem that is not immediately solved. Nobody ever, like, gets stuck. No one ever, like, has a serious issue. Like, all the answers are already there from the very beginning. And anything that is attempted to kind of present a problem from these characters is there strictly to pad the runtime, right? Because even the... um, even the bit at the end where she has to go, you know, uh, tell tell the nursing home that Avago does not like this weird, creepy dude who's abusing these orderlies. Uh, that's that's ostensibly meant to like set up and repair her relationship with Travolta, but I, I just don't feel like it's it's necessary, right? Like there is there was never any sense that they were really done with each other. There was never a sense that there was like a rift between them. I think. It, it, it seems very clear to me that Travolta, sh- she has her heart set on him, right? And once she dumps the uh, the actual dad of the baby, it's like, okay, well, we already know how this is going to resolve, right? Like, there is no conflict left because the conflict is the choice between the two. And I think by dumping him, she kind of makes that choice, right? But, right, um, like, there's a point, like, 20 minutes before that happens where they're about to fuck and then she's like she has this vision because one of the things is that every time she's introduced to a dude in the movie or whatever she has a vision of him as a dad or whatever and they're usually 15 seconds long or whatever but she has this vision of him coming back and he's like 
Ah, I stole some used cans or whatever for dinner. Who? What could it be? You know, who? Who cares? Like, and she's just like, oh, I can't have sex with you because I want my fa- my baby's father to be a respectable, clean cut man or whatever. Like, that's it. Like, that's that's the extent, I guess, of their falling out and why he, they're pissed at each other is that she's not sure he's the one basically until he is right and i guess they they come to the conclusion that he's definitely the one for her after mikey calls him dada as his first words yeah after he pulls mikey out of fucking traffic after mikey fucking gets in a car that's being towed like it's ugh. And then they just they just pulled this child out of a traffic accident and sit him up on a mailbox and start making out with each other, not watching the kid in the middle of New York City. Like, yeah, it's fine. It's bad parenting. Bad parenting. Like, bad parenting. Yeah. You spend this whole movie looking for a father for your baby, and like, apparently neither one of you can parent, so like, you shouldn't have the fucking kid in the first place. Like, <laughs> ugh. Uh, what a fucking film. movie. Yeah. What, what do you have anything else specific that you want to cover on this one? I f- I feel <sighs> like for me we've really kind of gone through it, you know. Uh there's there's like this whole thing about the the dad of the baby like falling in love with these other women, then I guess being in like a polycule at the end of it and she's like revolted by that. She throws baby shit on his desk. Bruce Willis says the R word. Uh we get and I don't even know. There's Fuck it. There's not a lot. There's not a lot. Like, this is... Yeah. This movie is... It's it's one of the thinnest, if not the thinnest, uh, scripts, I think, that we have mm-hmm. tackled on the show. And that's, like, <laughs> including the Resident Evil movies. Totally, um, yeah. Like... If you told me the majority of this movie was improvised, I'd probably believe you. It feels like it, right? Like, it really does feel like it. Like, a lot of it, not even just the stuff where Bruce Willis is talking, but a lot of it feels like they're like, okay, this baby, we're going to put this baby in the set, and we're just going to point a camera at you and the baby, and we're just going to have you, like, react to what the baby's doing. You know, like, the baby is just doing things, and they're... They're just responding to it. It's like at the start of The Boy in the Plastic Bubble where they're desperately trying to get the little kids <laughs> yeah. to, to, like, to do what they're wanting him to do. And he's just staring at the camera, like, very obviously, like, not paying any attention and giving them nothing. Like, except this is an even younger child, so it's just just a baby. A lot of footage of babies crying in this movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of upset baby footage in a way that's, like... I don't think you could get away with that in 2021 if you How tried so? to make a movie with a baby in it. The, the, it just feels like it just feels like this baby is real upset, like genuine. Like when a baby is crying in a movie, that baby is legitimately upset. That baby doesn't know it's acting, right? Like sure, yeah. You're you're taking a lot of footage in the early goings of this movie of just a very very upset child, and it's. I don't like it. I don't like seeing it. It it doesn't feel right to me. It just <laughs> sure. feels like it feels like 
something that somebody would pull you aside and say you can't really have the baby be so upset like it feels almost like they're goading the baby in okay, some way like sure. like yeah like john travolta standing out a shot and he's just like <laughs> looking at the baby <laughs> just intimidating just the baby be, or something being i don't know john travolta intimidating a baby i love that he puts on his gaudy voice and he's like and he says something about he's gonna give him ah sleeping with the fishes oh <laughs> Another New York yeah. movie, of course. Love, love Another a New York, New York movie. movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of New York movies uh, in this um, series, I guess. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, I have a question for you that I kind of thought about near the end of the film. Okay. How does the like sentience work in this universe, right? Because this baby is born with like the mind of an adult, right? And this baby has an adult internal monologue all the way through when it's one year old. And assumedly when it's two years old, because they have the second baby, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at what point during the child's development does it stop being like adult Bruce Willis in a baby's body and have the like mental processes of a two year old child? Um. Do they just forget? Like, does it just fade away? Like, when you hit three, do you just, like, flip a switch? Like, when you get your first memory, do you just immediately forget all the shit that you did when you were, like, man voice, like, Joan Rivers voice? Like, I, 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 it, it, help me out here. I, I, so I think what it is, is, um... Because after the baby is born and we get the all the babies in the in the baskets, the um, the racist Apu baby um, is like talking about how he's been reincarnated and how he's just remembering that he hates being a child or whatever, right? Uh-huh. Um, so maybe that's it. Maybe it's some kind of like it's the soul rather than rather than the brain <laughs> i don't fucking know how to put that like yeah it's like it's like the spirit <laughs> that resides so, within bruce willis so maybe what we're willis. maybe what we're hearing is not like the baby actively having thoughts but like a subconscious right like a right, sort of exactly. like yeah deep deep deeply buried uh, voice that maybe not even the baby itself is aware of, but right. we, yeah, that's... we as the audience are privy to this like internal world that nobody can really sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's yeah, not. It's not it. Bruce. It's not like Bruce Willis' baby that we're hearing. It's Bruce Willis' baby subconscious that is being interpreted. The, you know, these impulses and thoughts and actions and feelings, which are being sort of translated to us as, as viewers in the English language. Right. It's the spiritual entity that is Mikey as opposed to the <laughs> physical uh-huh. form, the corporeal Mikey and the spiritual Mikey are two different things, I guess. Love that. Love that. <laughs> there are bits... There are bits at the beginning of this movie where he's in the womb talking and he kind of reminds me of Chucky. Like, just yeah. real, real, like... I think it's because the the fetus is so obviously a puppet that you hear Bruce Willis yes. coming out of it and it's like, oh, this is just Chucky to me. This is child's <laughs> it's, play. It's, it's very... like 
it probably is like just a Chucky doll that they cut the hair off of, right? Like God. they didn't paint or whatever. <laughs> like it's fucked up. Like when he's like, "Hey, give me some apple juice," and he's like pulling on the umbilical cord, and oh, you're just like, "God, what am I fucking watching?" Like who the fuck thought this was a good idea for a movie? I mean, dear God, this. I kind of wish the entire movie was like the first 10 minutes because at least then it would be something to talk about, you know, it'd be something Uh memorable. I think that's our remake, right? Is that the full thing is just like from fertilization to birth and the birth is the ending. And it's like a story about like what's going on while this baby like pilots this woman like a mech, right? And makes her drink (laughs) a gallon of orange juice and steers her Uh. with the umbilical cord. God, it's it's Hideaki Anno's uh, look who's talking. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Ugh. Oh, Christ, Ryan, this fucking movie. I don't want to watch sucks this ass. ever again. No, I'm <laughs> so glad I didn't put one again. of the sequels on here. I would have died. Yeah, oh my God. Could you imagine if we'd, if we'd, like, just put one of the sequels, like, not put the first one, just one of the sequels? I I don't know if I could handle... No. Roseanne Barr, I, like you add her into this, and I, I don't think I could. I if could I had, if I have it. to watch Roseanne Barr do do baby voice for an entire film, I will get in my car and drive into the ocean. <laughs> like just truly, <laughs> that's so grim. Uh, it's the worst. Oh my god. So I mean, is it better than Borat? I'm not. I don't know. Sure. I I don't I like it less than Borat. I will say that I I personally will say it's worse than Borat because I found it much less entertaining than Borat. But just five out of five stars on the unbelievable meter for the sperm and the egg sequence set to Beach Boys. Run, run round. I get around while Bruce Willis like commentates the sperm swimming towards the egg. Uh, like, like you can really just watch from the beginning of this movie until she gives birth and then turn it off because that's, yeah, you really can. That's all you can. It's all you need to see of this. Yeah. I, I kind of think I'd rather watch Borat than this. Borat's shorter than this. (sighs) Borat's shorter than this. This is one of those ones that's kind of like in a, in a very liminal space, right? Because I think. It certainly has elements which are better than Borat, but the whole experience to me was was just nothing, right? Like, after a point, yeah. it, it just gave nothing to me, so I don't know. Yeah, I'd love to see, you know, so many of the great character actors uh, of the 80s, the 70s, the 90s uh, hanging around in this. Love to, love to see just terrible Bruce Willis improv, but... Good God, like, I, 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 I could really go for, you know, SBC crashing, like, a local news report or something above this. I could really, really hear the Kazakh national anthem above watching this again, I think. <laughs> um, God, yeah. So how are we feeling on the wigometer here? Nothing, this week? nothing to me. This movie nothing, was nothing yeah. to me and neither was his hair. His hair... Yeah. Did not register at all to me because it is no. just his normal person hair. Yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a zero. It's just it's just him. He's he's still not at that point yet where 
really really like as he's kind of morphing into a middle-aged man here before our eyes the hair is the only thing he's still kind of got left um but even then like, yeah i i, th- I think it's, he it's, still it's has, kind of nothing yeah he still has a little bit of the charisma but it's mostly mostly the hair you know yeah actually now that now that we're talking about the hair i i did just remember because we mentioned the staying alive or the um saturday night fever reference with the baby there's another one where he's like talking about one of his friends jumping off the brooklyn bridge oh, to the baby yeah. at one point yeah. which is just like all right i guess like you really want to fucking talk about that movie that boomers like i guess sure but uh yeah that's a lot of Saturday Night Fever references in this for some reason. Yeah, um, they're they are really reaching for it on this one. And that movie wasn't that old at this point, right? Like it was only um twelve years or something like that, right? Yeah, like, like that that that's yeah, it was only twelve years. And that seems like kind of a reach, right? That'd be like I don't know, what what would that be like these days? It it'd be like uh I don't know. I guess it'd be the same know. as if like Brian Cranston was in something and they put a bunch of Breaking Bad references in it, right? Like it'd be really yeah. stupid. Uh, so I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Brian Cranston in Godzilla, and he's like talking about like how he is the danger or whatever the fuck, right? Like yeah, totally. whatever that quote is. Um, so Ryan, out of out of five lukewarm bottles of breast milk, <laughs> what are you? <laughs> What what are you giving? Look who's talking. One star, half One half star, half a star for the sperm scene, half a star for when someone's head explodes scanner style, which oh, does yeah, that act, does happen does that actually does happen, happen in this movie in a dream sequence. Yeah, it, so. it's a dream sequence. If it had happened for real, I would have probably given this five. But yeah, I think I'm 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 feeling a one star here as well. I. I was thinking, like, like at the beginning, like, in that beginning stretch, I was thinking, like, okay, this is, like, maybe a two and a half, three star movie. Like, it's weird, but maybe it'll be fine. But it just delivered nothing after a certain point, so... Exactly, yeah. God, okay. So I guess that's 1989's Look Who's Talking, which we're never going to have to watch again, and that's awesome. But next week, Ryan, we are back with Nick Cage... Okay. We are watching a movie that I have never heard of before. I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Cage and Dennis Hopper yeah. star in 1993's Red Rock West. Yes. So I have not seen this movie. I don't know much about it. I know that it is kind of like a Coen Brothers type, type crime thriller, sort of like a Lynch light sort of noir type thing. Uh, as you said, Nicolas Cage, Dennis Hopper, and also Lara Flynn Boyle, another oh. Twin Peaks alumni in this one. So back to back, Don S. Davis, Lara Flynn Boyle. Um, we, we've had a lot of like Twin Peaks people, but I guess they were just like character actors and a lot of stuff around this time. I so, guess. Yeah. 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 I guess. I am excited. I'm excited because I've heard this movie is good. It's been on my watch list for a while, and I did manage to track down a DVD copy of it. It is, it is, it's a really hard movie to find, honestly. Like, I don't know if there's anyone out there watching along with us on this, but I do not know where you can find this film. Like, I don't even know if you can download it somewhere, to be honest. But, um, 
we're going to watch it and we're going to see it. And I think it's probably going to be better than Look Who's Talking. I mean, saying it's going to be better than Look Who's Talking is not, you know, a very uh, high bar to clear, but I'm sure, sure. it will be. I hope it will be. <laughs> uh, we should say, I mean, there is no guarantee that's what we're going to be doing next week because we are still on Borat oh, Watch. God. Um, yeah. So one of these days it's going to fucking, you know, drop and we're going to have to deal with that. But uh, I, I, think until... it, I think it could be out next weekend. I think that after the Oscars yeah. and after Borat wins an Oscar, they're going to pop it out. Yeah, the the Oscars, uh, we're recording this on Friday night. So who knows by the time this gets out there, it's entirely possible Borat is already out there. Um, in which case, next week will be Borat, unfortunately. But yeah, it's it's coming. We can't avoid it. It's going to happen sooner or later. So we're just going to have to take our medicine. Um, but until then, Ryan, you do another show on the internet. Where can people find that? Yeah, if people want to listen to my other show, I do Emoji Drome with Sylvie from Friends at the Table. You can find that on Twitter at Emoji Drome or on any sort of podcast place. I think our last episode was the framed picture emoji, and that was a lot of fun. Hopefully that'll be out by the time this goes up. Uh, if you want to find my Twitter, I am at Cursegoat, and my letterbox is at SewerPeak, P-E-A-K. How about you, Niall? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Borat Club. Uh, you can email us at BoratClubCast at gmail.com. I am also on Letterboxd at EmoChrist. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a like, a review, or a rating, or a your podcasts. We very much appreciate it, and we very much appreciate the support. Um, and yeah, uh, next week, probably Red Rock West. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say, but I, I almost get it wrong every time. Um, or it'll be Borat, if not that. So, I know which I hope it is. Uh, <laughs> um... Yeah, until then, thank you, Ryan, as always, for joining me. Thank you at home for listening. Stay safe, and we will talk to you soon. See you soon.